Hello, Courtney. How are you today? I'm good, Jim. I feel like I haven't gotten to talk to you near enough recently. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to get back into this, this routine. Yeah, me too. So speaking of who do we have on the docket for today? Well, today we have a hip hop artist. Oh, whose name is Kenny Schnee. You know, you might know his song. It goes a little bit like this. Now watch me whip. Now watch me Schnee Schnee. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I think that's how it goes. Let me read his bio here. Uh, oh, you know what? He is not a hip hop artist. Mm, shocking. Very surprised by that. Mm. All right, well, let me read his bio so we can tell you who he really is. Ken Shanae is not a hip-hop artist. Actually, he is the general manager of Sterling's Technology, Media, Entertainment, and Hospitality Group. Sterling is a leading provider of background and identity services. With over 10 years of experience in the talent industry, he brings extensive expertise in sales, operations, and technological innovation. Prior to his current role, Ken held several leadership posts at Sterling, including Regional Director of Sales, Vice President of Solution Consulting, and head of client operations. <clears throat> he is not and has not been, as far as I can tell from his bio, a hip hop artist. But I think I'll still will think of him when I hear that song again. Maybe you need to do a background check on him to know if he really was. Ooh, I think I'll hire them to see. <laughs> really this guy, or is it the guy who sings this song? Watch me well, watch me snake snake. All right, I'll think about that during the, during the uh, commercial break. You are listening to Tribe Pod, a podcast series of interviews of interest to the HR community. It is hosted by Courtney Lane, produced by Jim Stroud, sponsored by Proactive Talent, and enjoyed by you. Today's episode begins right after this. On-demand recruiting is an hourly service that we offer where our recruiters work as an extension of your business, helping to fill your positions by finding top talent. So on-demand recruiting is there to address issues in hiring when a company is experiencing a lot of growth, when they're having some seasonality changes where they may um, temporarily need to expand their recruiting team. You maybe have a new line of business or a space where you're expanding your business and you need to bring in specialty expertise to help fill those niche roles that your internal team may not yet be ramped up on. Proactive Talent's on-demand recruiting solution is uh, quite different from um, a lot of the other models that you're going to see in the, in the workplace. Whereas you're going to pay a contingency recruiting firm, typically on average around 20%, sometimes up to 30% of the first year salary of the person that you hire. And in that same period of time, you'll spend less than a quarter of that with Proactive Talent's managed on-demand for more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. So today I am joined by Ken Schnee. He is the general manager of Sterling's Technology, Media, Entertainment, and Hospitality Group. And he joins us. He has over 10 years of experience in the talent industry and brings an extensive expertise in the sales, ops, and technological innovation space. Welcome, Ken. We are so happy to have you on with us today. Courtney, thanks so much for the introduction, and it is truly a pleasure to join the podcast today. I uh, really look forward to diving into the discussion uh, that you've got planned. 
ultimately, uh, I today, as you mentioned, am the general manager for uh, Sterling's Tech Media Entertainment Hospitality. And what that means uh, is that I ultimately have a, a broad spectrum into uh, the HR world, specifically as it relates to uh, the, the current new, new normal. And so really look forward to diving in today and uh, getting into some discussion. Awesome. And so I would love just to start things off, if you can, um, just to give some a little deeper context uh, for the folks listening. Tell us a little bit about Sterling and, and, and what all Sterling offers, sort of what are those, those big buckets of services that you all offer to the HR world? Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at the employee life cycle, we are absolutely at the front end of the process when you are going to onboard new employees and more specifically concentrated on the background screening process. As we go to onboard new employees and even more so in today's new world, uh, we want to be able to draw a picture of that individual of some of the things that we may not have had the opportunity to learn in the interview process. And so Sterling does that deep dive background check to learn about your criminal history, your verifications of your employment and education, and even more broad spectrum today regarding things like social media and aspects of, of an individual's life that, again, you wouldn't have vision to unless you ran a background check through Sterling. Okay, great. And so I'm curious from your perspective, like what's the big, the why behind it? What's the big value for an organization to have that kind of information about folks as they're choosing to onboard them or bring them, bring them into the fold with their company? Yeah, that's a great question. And really everything in becomes about not what you do know, but the things that you don't know. And those are often the things that can impact your organization greatly uh, if you don't do that due diligence uh, and say you end up with an individual that may have lied about their history of their, of their work, something as simple as a job that they had in the past, but that individual grows through your organization and one day is sitting in the chair of CEO and imagine what that can do towards the, the organization and what kind of presence that's gonna set within, uh, let alone things like criminal background history that can not only impact a situation like that, but potentially harm your clients or other individuals within your organization. And so without a background check, and I think for the most part, if you look at organizations today, over 90% of companies are performing background checks. So the, the, the world sort of has that as part of the expectation, but I think it's, it's what type and who does it and, and how you organize it that really changes the value prop that you get from doing a background check. A lot of people sort of look at it as a checkbox, but it's far more than that. There's more purposefulness to doing a background check than just saying you did it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, like everything, everything else, um, I have to imagine that the pandemic in 2020 impacted the background screening world and, and created some shifts there. I mean, just off the top of my head, I would guess that there was probably an increase in folks um, who suddenly decided they needed to start doing background checks because with completely remote interviewing, completely remote hiring, 
sort of even that in-person experience is then lost and you feel like, you know, even less because you've not had a chance to really, you know, sort of see somebody one-on-one. So I would have to imagine from just a volumes perspective, you saw an increase, but, um, so, but correct me if I'm wrong on that, but then also sort of in what other ways did the sudden shift to a really remote, um, space change things from a background perspective? Great question. So I'll, I'll hit on the first piece of that with regards to volume. Uh, so obviously the, the, the unfortunate uh, events of the pandemic, uh, while more companies were likely looking to screen employees that were coming on board, there was a significant decline in hiring over the 2020 span. And if you look from January to February, there was actually some pretty good growth in our economy and specifically related to hiring. As soon as we hit March, everybody sort of put their hands up and said, oh, we're not exactly sure what's going to happen from here on out. Uh, So from a volume perspective, we actually saw a dip in 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 that area. But what's interesting about this vertical that I'm that, that we support here is we have two very different perspectives, tech and hospitality. So if we look as the year progressed and we started to get a little bit more comfortable with what COVID-19 meant, what the world was going to experience, interestingly enough, tech companies started to really take off, right? Uh, that work from home really required a lot more technological innovation for companies to start absorbing things uh, like video conferencing and social media collaboration tools. Uh, But the hospitality piece of our business remained down for much of 2020. We're actually seeing a little bit of a spike now. Uh, But that dynamic we were able to see in, in the tech world, exactly what you're talking about with regards to changing the dynamic of how we interview and what we know about that candidate. And since they started to see that spike, just as you would think, they started to think to themselves, well, geez, I never met Jim before, but we're going to hire him. He's going to work remotely for us. And he now has access to our entire database of, of customers. He has access to all of their information, all their customers' information. What do we need to know about Jim that we don't know? right now and that is where some of these organizations started to take a broader look at background screening and being able to understand that individual and things like social media searches became more prevalent in 2020 because now we want to learn about what what would i have learned if i sat down with you for a half hour face to face and maybe had a little bit more of a social dialogue about who you are and what to do and something like a social media search gives you that view into that individual on the things that they're posting, their likes, what they're engaging with. Um, and so that is one product that, that organizations have really started to latch on to to get that initial vision uh, of, of their candidates. So devil's advocate for a moment, because I will absolutely acknowledge that a social media screening can quickly bubble up some problematic behaviors or, or thoughts about a particular individual that you otherwise would 
maybe not have known about them. But I would think on the flip side that there's also an opportunity for problematic behaviors on the employer in making decisions about a candidate based on social media posts. You know, I, I would just imagine that it opens it up for bias to, to really present itself. And so I'm curious, how do, how do these social media screenings work in a way that gets the employer the information that's like really relevant to them without opening up that door for, for sort of risky decision-making practices. So Courtney, I somehow knew you were going to go in this direction <laughs> because anytime I bring up social media, it is a big question, right? Uh, I now can see photos of an individual. I can now see uh, maybe their race, their religion, these things that really decisions should never, ever be made upon. And that's where uh, filtering comes into play. So we never share an image of an individual from a social media site. Uh, we don't share anything about race, religion. Really, these filters are built to uncover specific keywords or key components that you're looking for. Uh, like is somebody posting uh, about guns uh, all, all, all over the place? Are they you know, specifically posting about drug use and things, things that would be uh, alerting to you. Are they the moderator of a forum that is uh, about revolting against the United States? So these are the types of things that the social media search is designed to uncover. And it is specifically designed to, to block out uh, any of the components that would, uh, th that you wouldn't want to see, like, a per picture of a person, their race, and so on and so forth. Right. So, I mean, I, I'm curious how, like, what percentage of companies that you're working with, at least, I mean, um, even if anecdotally, are using the social media screens as a, a piece of that sort of puzzle and understanding their, their new hires? To tie this back to your initial question, uh, at the beginning of 2020, we had about a, uh, a 3% adoption rate across our client base. It was in, in 2019, it was one of the fastest growing products. Uh, so it had doubled year, uh, from the previous year. Uh, we're now up to about 20% of our customers utilizing social media with, with you know, 80 to 90% within the, the tech, tech space specifically. Uh, and so, I, I think you, you hit on some the nail on the head here with regards to expanding that scope and getting a deeper understanding of an individual. This is absolutely one of the products that that does that uh, for a for a company to give them that vision uh, and that adoption really shows you that. So that was a great question. <laughs> well, and well, thank you. <laughs> um, so I I you know started my career in the. Uh, recruiting space specifically as a recruiting coordinator. And I was very much handling the background screens and all of that information. And from a background screening perspective, you know, um, it, it didn't get back to the hiring manager, you know, decisions were made internally within HR. Um, you know, it wasn't something that was like shared out like, oh, here's what came back on so-and-so's background check. It wasn't public knowledge. I would imagine there's some best practices that as you're helping introduce social media screenings to companies, and there's this level of education that, ha that has to be done of like, 
here's who should be looking at these reports. Um, here's who should um, not be looking at these reports or how you should be interpreting. Does that piece exist as a part of the service? And if so, any, any tips for the folks listening as to if they are going to implement this, like where does it really sit and who should be touching it and owning it? So Courtney, one of the biggest hurdles to background screening is compliance. It is absolutely <laughs> above all, above the technology, above the products that you can offer. Compliance is the most important aspect of a background check because ultimately you are diving into the personal information or the PII of an individual and then some. And mm -hmm. so it, it becomes the utmost importance of, of how you treat compliance. And obviously our guiding principles are uh, the FCRA, right? That is the guiding principle for background screening. And specifically to Sterling, our application, our technology, our products are all built utilizing that as the basement of our structure. And so when you look at something like a social media product, going back to some of the conversation we had about what you can and you can't see, we have that same hierarchy built into our platform where you can basically within your org structure decide who are the individuals that will be adjudicating background checks. Our best practice is usually to assign a specific team to that so that a recruiter is not the person that's pulling the lever as to if I should hire this person or not. Because as you probably know, a recruiter is under huge stress to get that rec filled, right? And mm -hmm. so if I'm sitting there making the decision, well, this is sort of on the line, they're fine, they're fine, let's push them through. You want that to really be an arbitrary decision made by a third party. So we always recommend that you have an adjudication team that's trained to review orders. And then even anything that they can't decide on usually goes to your legal team to make a final call on. Now, obviously if you're a smaller organization, that this can be a little bit more compressed. Maybe somebody, maybe your head of HR becomes that adjudication team. And then your, your chief legal officer or your outside counsel is that last, last eye on it. But that's really the, the hierarchy that we look for when we're reviewing a, a check. Okay. Um, so in addition to um, criminal background screens and social media screens, I would um, I, I, I'm not going to guess, I know that I've, that a lot more companies are, had to also expand sort of the, the COVID-19 space, like, and, and actually address that. Um, I'm, you know, curious for, for you all, like, as you're working with clients who are trying to figure out that return to office plan, you know, folks are back at work and now we're trying vaccination efforts are out there and people are trying to get back to the office in a lot of cases. And I would imagine that then there's a discussion around how do we safely get them back because not everybody's vaccinated. Um, you know, what does a COVID-19 screening process look like and where does it fall in? I mean, is it, is it like at the, I mean, I, maybe this doesn't make sense, but I'm just curious, like, is it like a back, you know, like a, a drug or a health screen where you're doing it at, you know, a certain point in an employee life cycle, or is it truly driven by sort of the environmental cues of exposure or symptoms or things like that? Great question. Yet again, Courtney, you, you, you got it here. <laughs> so, so, uh, so this decision really lands on the organization as to tying into their return to work plan. 
So what we're seeing more often than not is organizations that are allowing employees to come back to the office are more often than not putting some type of COVID-19 testing in place. And many of our customers are actually utilizing a home-based product. So what they'll do is they'll set your schedule in the office, whether that's you're coming in two days, four days, five days, and they'll send this test to your home and your first day scheduled back will not come until the results are scheduled to come back. And then they'll continue that cycle of that test so that every day you're, every week you're about to go back in, you've basically cycled in a new test. And so this individual is testing weekly at home and once they get into the office, every other person that's in that office is tested just the same. So that's basically, if I was to say, like, that's the, the, the highest level of, of as careful as you can be. There are other organizations that opt to give you one single test and say, okay, you're back in. And now we're just going to do symptom tracking. And so before you come to work every day, we're going to send you a few questions on your phone. And if you have any symptoms of COVID, we are then going to send you a test that we're going to send you home. We're going to send you that test at home. And as soon as you come back clear, we're going to put you back into the cycle and you're going to come back to work. So those are really the two spectrums. And then everything in between from you know, maybe doing it every two weeks. And it honestly, it really comes down to uh, risk, cost, and and, and ultimately the reward to your business of having individuals in person and taking those three, juggling them around and deciding which direction you're going to go as an organization. Obviously, we would always recommend being as careful as possible, uh, but everyone's got their own view on, on what safety equals. And do you think this is something that's going to be around for a while. I mean, you know, vaccinations are rolling out more and more of the population is getting vaccinated. Is the COVID-19 screening something that we're going to continue to see as a part of, um, you know, organizations processes for the next year? And then, then it, we may see it go away. Or do you think this is something that will stick around a little bit longer? Maybe, um, just, you know, as people sort of get used to the fact that COVID-19 will likely sort of in some capacity, um, you know, sort of still be floating around. Okay, so I have for the world, I have to start this question with, with this answer saying, I hope not. I hope this will not stick around. I, I hope there will be no testing. And I hope tomorrow is the day. Uh, but looking at this realistically, the, the, if we look at, at the stat, I believe uh, that in order for the uh, country to achieve herd Im immunity, 70% of the population has to be vaccinated. I think we're looking somewhere around uh, less than 20% of the United States is vaccinated at this point, right? So if you look at how long the vaccine has been around, we are seeing that it's rolling out much faster. I think there, we hit like 5 million the, the other day in, uh, in a single day. Uh, but uh, based on the path here, I do think this is around a to stay at least for the next two quarters or so. Uh, I, I I can foresee us hitting that 60%, but with the variants coming into play and all these other aspects, I think companies will remain to remain careful in their return to work policy 
And I think we'll still see COVID testing through the end of this year, but I hope I am absolutely incorrect <laughs> to be a hundred percent honest. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's what we'll see. And, and even if it starts to go away, I think companies will still test just to be careful towards, towards the end of this. And then hopefully this will be a story we tell our grandchildren uh, and that'll be the end of it. Right. Right. So, you know, Clearly, um, you know, Sterling responded with getting, you know, the COVID-19 screenings um, programs in place very quickly because, you know, a a year and a half ago, there was not such a need. Um, And so as that shifts and as vaccinations do go out um, and, and just knowing, you know, that health and drug screens are a part of the offering too, does the vaccination come into play at some point? Is there going to eventually be a, a, do you see companies wanting to adopt sort of a checkpoint of, or a checkoff of like, they've, they have been vaccinated. I mean, I know I come from the healthcare space, um, you know, previous life. And so Mm -hmm. certainly that was common in healthcare to have, you know, flu shots and whatnot have to be checked off. But I think we're hearing more and more of that expanding outside of, um, uh, the healthcare space specifically, or some of those more, you know, um, patient facing type of roles. Do you see that happening? Is it, is that going to become something that's tracked and checked off as well as a part of sort of that screening process for new, new employees? You know, this becomes a, a interesting question in the dynamic of uh, what, what companies should and should not know about an individual, right? When you go to apply for a job before COVID, we didn't ask if you had a flu shot before you were allowed to be employed. Companies did offer, often offer flu shots as part of a program to help to inoculate their population, but it's not something that, that you ask. Now, I, I'm going to have to leave this one up in the air <laughs> because I, I really don't know uh, what we should consider as, as proper protocols moving into the future. Obviously, selfishly, I would say yes, because I would like to be in an environment where everybody is vaccinated, but there has not been enough enough guidance from our government to this point as to what those requirements will look like. I think that'll be the guiding principle to if organizations will will set this as a requirement. This sort of layers onto some of the stuff we're hearing about where are you going to be required to have a vaccine to enter a stadium? Are you going to need a vaccine to enter a restaurant? I know if you look at at Israel, for example, they are requiring that you have a pseudo passport to do any of these activities. Uh, So um, I I think this is to be be known uh, as we move into the future. And as COVID disappears completely, because I need to take away any of the negativity I brought by saying we might possibly still have COVID testing. <laughs> okay, so more broadly, um, I'll, I'll let you off the hook from deciding the fate of the world on if we're going to all have to have vaccine. Passports. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. For <laughs> <it>. <laughs> So going back a little bit more broadly, so social media screenings, I mean, certainly that's, that's a, that's a new piece to the background, you know, relatively speaking, a new piece to the background sort of screening space. Is there something else on the horizon that, I mean, 
is there another place to sort of dig around and look that we're not already doing that from an employer perspective? We're looking at criminal background checks. Some folks are even looking at credit checks and now social media. Is there somewhere else that, that we I, might I, be looking? <laughs> I have the smoking gun. So uh, if we look back at, for, forget background screening, the hiring process in general, one of the big questions that existed even when you were in person is, is Courtney Lane really Courtney Lane? I, she, she says she is. Her resume says she is. But, but is she really? And the only point in which a process where we ever verified that is by the time we get to your I-9, and it's sort of like if you've ever bought a house, it's like you're about to sign that paper. Who's really going to stop this process now, right? And, and yes, we check the ID, and, and everyone sh should be honest at that point. But, but it, there's a lot of room for potential error there. And now moving into the new normal where remote work seems to be around to stay. I mean, 74% of people say they're as productive working from home now. Now the question is even bigger. Is Courtney really who she says she is? I haven't even seen her before. Uh, I don't know. And so the new thing uh, is identity verification. So this is something that we put at the front end of the background screening process that actually takes your ID, verifies your ID, does a facial recognition match to you, takes all of the data off your ID so they can't change your address. You can't say you lived in Idaho when you really live in Texas. And it compiles all of that information and makes that your core profile going into the background check. So it takes away now all of the potential question of who you really are. And this is revolutionary for not only background screening, but the hiring process in general. I now know exactly who you are, you're verified, and everything I do from here on forward is not potentially a wasted effort. I don't get to the background check, find something, call you, and all of a sudden it says, this number is no longer available. Uh, so, so ultimately, that is the biggest change to this industry since its inception. And I, and I think we're going to start to see lots more companies start to uh, adopt identity verification, especially given the, the current uh, new normal. Wow. I, I did not even know that that was a thing. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like as technology changes and you start to hear about it, you're, you almost think, geez, yeah, that makes exact. I don't know why we haven't been doing that all along. That makes exact sense. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I know certainly from like a recruiting perspective, it is, um, you know, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it happens frequently, but it's certainly not unusual to hear a story of, you know, um, somebody going through the, the recruiting process. And then when it's time for the onboarding process, you suddenly think, well, I, I, don't, I don't think that's exactly who I've been talking to this whole time. Um, things, things shift on you. Um, so that's, that's, that's interesting. I'm from a, from a facial recognition perspective. I mean, have you, is there a pushback on that? Or are there people who say, I don't, I don't want to participate in this, um, you know, and, and can they opt out or is it just kind of like, I mean, they could, but they can't work at that company if they opt out, I guess. So, I mean, do you, are well, you seeing you, a lot you of can opt out of you? you yeah. You oh, can ahead, opt out of you. 
Yeah, yeah, no problem. You, you can opt out of utilizing the technology. So the facial recognition, the ID match, if you do, and that option exists within the workflow, it will actually default to a face-to-face -face meeting over a video conference where they will in interview you for a moment, ask to see your identification and see you as an individual. These are trained professionals in uh, identity verification and it'll just go that route instead uh, to verify your identity. If sort of you don't want your your face saved in, in the technology, even though everything is is encrypted and, and obviously secure, just as secure as the PII you've provided for a background check. Uh, but there is an opt-out process if somebody is afraid to go down this road. Interesting. I mean, that's good to know because I just feel like there is a certain percentage of the population that might, you know, um, might might not be as comfortable in that or may, may have conspiracy theories around what's happening if their face gets scanned and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah. that that's interesting. Um, well, so as, as you know, we're sort of getting towards the end of our conversation, I just want to check in with you and like, is there anything, I mean, is there a big takeaway or a big thing that you would want the folks listening, you know, HR leaders and recruiters that are listening to this conversation to really have top of mind as they're thinking about like the current state of their background screening process, or they're just a screening process in general, um, you know, and sort of the things that they should be keeping on their radar as they're moving forward over the next several months or years. Yeah. So I, I think one thing that set us up royally for the pandemic is that the HR world, even before this, has been moving towards technology, right? Uh, the onboarding process, the interview process, you're seeing video interviewing, the application process, applications like ATSs, like Oracle. So everything before the pandemic was moving towards this automated workflow. I think we're lucky that uh, as the pandemic hit, all of those pieces were in place. You were able to apply to a job online. You can interview somebody. You can you can you can decide to hire them. You can background check them. You can onboard them. You can include them in your payroll. All of that was there. Uh, one thing that I think is critical now that companies are really and according unless you disagree that the world is moving towards remote work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of how we look at it, the, everyone has had the opportunity to experience this. Organizations before the pandemic were likely afraid to do this because they didn't know what it would do to productivity, but now we all know. And so it's likely here to stay. And what that means is that organizations really need to heavily invest in that end-to-end -end technology workflow. That stack needs to be even better than it was in 2019 because now you're set out to support a, a remote workforce. And so my big takeaway from this would be if you haven't already, you should be investing in each stage of your hiring process. And, and not only that, your, your employee life cycle beyond that and making sure that you have the best of breed technology in each stage of the workflow so that you are the most competitive organization in your industry. I think that's a really good point. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of times organizations will, 
sort of make that short-term decision of investing in maybe not the best product because they like the price on it. And then ultimately that, that cost over time (laughs) changes. Um, even if it's not the dollar figure cost over time, the, you know, um, you know, directly that sort of indirect cost of, um, you know, not having the right people in place, not having the right information on the right people in place and being able to support them. So I think that's a, a really good point. Um, well, Ken, thank you so much for joining us today um, and sharing with us sort of the, the state of screenings now and this, this new normal, new world that we're in. Um, if folks want to learn more about Sterling or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can go to uh, sterlingcheck.com. Uh, and actually, if you click on the tech media entertainment hospitality vertical, our contact information is right there. Uh, but it's also a great place to learn more about background screening and some of the products that we spoke about today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks to everyone who tuned in to listen. And I hope you all have a great day. Ooh, that was interesting. It was. It was very interesting. It's like science fiction meets science fact. No, the whole face scanning thing. I, that one I was not expecting. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah, (laughs) I could see how some people might be, "Eh, mm." but that's like the future. I mean, well, that's like the now facial recognition, you know, like I have this phone, this iPhone, you hold the phone up to your face, Mm -hmm. unlock it. So I think that it's just sort of like a natural progression of things. People get used to it. Yeah, I guess so. The future is here. Yes, yes. I want them to develop the teleportation thing on Star Trek, where they say, beam me up somewhere. Agreed. Use that during this pandemic to beam somewhere else. Agreed, agreed. I think um, call to all tech science folks out there. We are still awaiting our teleportation teleportation devices (laughs) (laughs) and our flying cars Uh, but maybe some of our listeners know some technologists who who can develop that for us so if you do uh, or rather if you are developing such technologies please let us know you can reach us at tripod that's t-r-i-b-e-p-o-d at proactivetalent.com and you don't have to send us your official recognition just go ahead and send it to us by email we'd appreciate it Courtney, any last words? No, I think we're good. It was a great one. Ooh. I'm going to sign off by using my facial recognition. Here we go. In three, two, here's my face. <laughs>